Hello everyone and welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. I am the Grumpy Surfer and your host, Ads Lyson. Before we start the podcast today, a couple of amazing codes for you. So if you want 10% off your Ombi Surf, so Ombi is ocean mind body equipment. Guys in Australia putting out some amazing content, how to get beginners and intermediate surfing more fluidly with style and actually connecting their turns and getting more spray and enjoyment from your surfing. So if you go to ombi.co forward slash ref forward slash grumpy surfer, have a look at the programs and using that link, you'll get 10% off your purchases. Also, today's guest from the Surfers Life Club has given us a 10% discount as well for his programs. So if you go to www.surferslifeclub or one word dot com and insert the code capital letters T G S P S L C to get 10% off your Surfers Life Club program, of which you're going to hear about today. So, my guest today is an expat that lives in South Africa. He has spent nearly 20 years in a corporate business world and decided he'd had enough. So he wanted to figure out a way how he could surf more and work less. Please enjoy my conversation with Steve Gwenin. Steve Gwenin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ads, how are you? Good, mate, good. I've got three questions that I always start podcasts with. The first one is, how are you? The second one is, where are you? And the third one is, have you surfed today? Okay, well, the first one, I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm enjoying life, but I've got a little bit of a cough, a little bit of sickness on the go. So uh, hopefully that uh, just stays online. Um, I'm in Cape Town, uh, South Africa, just, just south of the city. There's a little peninsula to the south. Um, which is a gorgeous spot. Uh, the sky's blue and it's constantly offshore somewhere. There's one wind from the northwest is the only killer. Every other direction, it's always offshore somewhere. Um, and then I haven't surfed today and I knew you were going to ask me this question. So I was actually dreading it. And I had one planned and on the way to drop the, uh, I was on the way to drop the kids at school and uh, there was a traffic accident. So I knew where I'd planned to surf, I had to come back that way. And I couldn't do it. And then I met someone and got dragged into a chat with them for a coffee. But I am, I am going to surf after this. I'm taking the kids to the beach for a surf. So I don't know if that, uh, if that covers it. But I haven't got in so far. At least you've got the opportunity to do that. I haven't surfed since probably I came back from Portugal. So that was like the end of March because the swell's just been right. super rubbish here. And right. yeah, like, like we were talking about at the beginning, this starting a couple of new businesses up. I've, uh, I've been up and all over the place, like trying to organise that out. So... Yeah, I think it might be a, a trip up to the Bristol Wave for me, maybe just to get my uh, just to get my toes wet and get some slides on. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually I'm go I'm going there in uh, in about a month's time. Take my kids there. No, not been before, not tried it. So, uh, yeah, we're trying to figure out the logistics of do we have to take our own boards or other boards there, and then the kids will want their specific boards, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So. It's pretty cool up up in up at the Bristol Wave here in the UK because. You, you you pay your funds to to go on it, and uh, you can just uh, sort of rent the boards or not rent them. It comes part of the price anyway, so you could just go and grab whatever board 
you want. Cool. Go. Cool. I hope. Uh, hopefully, they've got a five foot and a and a four ten <laughs> and a whole bunch of little kids. What? <laughs> we'll see. I was. Uh, I was just looking at Magic Lyweed actually before we started this conversation, right. and Jeffrey's Bay looks like it's absolutely pumping at the moment. It's been. It's been thumping recently. Yeah, yeah. There was. Um, we went. Um, when did we go? Must have been about a month ago, and uh, we got the first the first proper winter swell of the season, and it went with the kids. So the the youngest is still mostly surfing point and trying to surfing tubes a little bit a bit further up but not yet not yet probably could have surfed supers when it was smaller so you sort of missed that window to warm up a little bit at the point and then it got to, got it got to a proper proper size but my eldest went out of supers when it was bigger so and and did well like once he found his once he found his footing a little bit but it's quite i don't know supers is quite a sort of daunting way for the first for the first time you surf it. So he was, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, there was definitely a bit of coaching on the beach. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Jeffreys Bay. It seems to be everybody's kind of go-to wave, like, you know, whether, wh whatever you are around the world, everyone seems to want to go there. It seems to be like the, like the pinnacle sort of wave, whether it's, you know, watching the Endless Summer films or, you know, whether your surf icon, Sean Thompson, uh, or Geordie or Smith or, or any of those type of guys, it, everyone just seems to, to want to go there. I mean, it's it's ideal for me because I like surfing from a backhand anyway, so it's a right, right. point break, isn't it? So it's, uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that little draw off the bottom, you know, come up to the top and I'm facing back down the wave again, just doing like those nice big sweeping turns off the top. So, yeah, maybe one day I'll get there. It's, it's not a pipe dream. I'm definitely going to get there. It just depends when, I guess. Right, yeah, no, it's an awesome place, and and the the whole area like is is just stunning. You've got like seals up the road, and uh, yeah, and then the wave itself is uh, it just you always or I always think it's gonna it's gonna close out on me, and I sort of charge off down the down the line, and every now and again you see like oh, I can actually do something other than just try and make it past this, but uh, no, it's stunning. So we started talking what probably about a year ago now, uh, and you know messages to and from about about um trying to get you onto the podcast and i think your message to me was if you've got no one else to get on the podcast give me a shout that's why i've messaged it <laughs> no but i think it's quite apt since you've you know you've just started um started your own thing up which is which is quite prevalent really in in this day and age where um i think people are very very much work focused and and feel like they they can't escape from work and they come home and their only escapism is you know looking towards the weekend and then yeah. you know looking looking at surfing as well people are only become weekend warriors because they can't get away and and the light dwindles or whatever um so you are the founder of the surf life club and the executive surf life club coach um, so how did all that come about? Like, how did you get the brainwave to go? Do you know what? This is just something I'm going to, I'm going to start up and do. Ah, uh, it's a bit of a towel really. I, um, before that I was, I'd worked for about 20 years, um, on conservation projects and, and humanitarian, um, sort of community development projects. So I'd, I'd helped to start up, uh, a young British organization. We were focused on volunteer programs. Um, and, and, it, and 
it grew and we i went out to mexico did coal reef research i was running around in the jungles in costa rica um and i was really really enjoying it and it grew and it got bigger and but it all sort of happened organically without a lot of sort of super intent if if you will um and we were just sort of young young guys not mucking about but take it taking it seriously but we were making it up as we went along we didn't know um much about business we hadn't got sort of uh clear strategy plans it was just sort of happening we were right place right time and it grew and i think we had our hearts in the right place and wore our hearts on our sleeve and, and that attracted people and as it developed and got bigger and we started projects in more and more places we ended up across sort of 14 14 plus 15 uh countries with op operations all over all in sort of quite relatively sort of remote areas like down in, in the Amazon in Costa Rica jungles over in uh, in Asia in various places mostly outside of cities so quite rural quite coastal logistically pretty challenging um, and as we did that we ended up with um, sort of the guys that had been around the longest the people that had been around the longest all right someone's got to stay in Asia and help keep an eye on things and, and manage things and make sure we got experience there someone in Latin America etc so we sort of we'd got bigger and then uh, I was out living in Costa Rica at the time but we we decided to pull the senior the senior team if you will which I'm not even sure we knew we had a senior team we just had the people that had been around the longest and we pulled them together decided where more or less on a, on a vote basis but we chose we chose South Africa which is when I moved here and that was about eight years ago and sort of pulled the senior team together got more of a proper office <laughs> because before we'd been working out of houses and all, all that sort of jazz, um, put a strategy together and really sort of went for it as a, as a business. Um, and I think that was, that was the right thing for the organization. But as, as we did that and it developed and we were like, right, we don't really know what we're doing in terms of marketing or sales strategies, et cetera. Um, we were bringing in experts to, to try and learn from them. And some of those experts came closer and closer in. And, and it turned into, a, I guess, a, what it should have done, which was a, a, a proper organization that was well run. Um, but then for me personally, that meant I was, I was sort of more sat in the office, um, looking, at, looking at graphs and numbers and sales strategies and stuff like that. And I was like, I, don't, I, like, I, I, went, I joined to go out to Mexico and dive on coral reefs and drive boats and run around in the Amazon doing research and I, and I, and I love that and I love what the organization was doing but I'd, I'd sort of somewhere along the line as my role changed I, I you know I, I loved what it was doing but not what I was doing so um, yeah I had to sort of make a few changes and, I, and it took me it took me a long time to decide to actually change it partly because I was so tied to the organization, the people there, the projects that we were involved with and what they were doing, how they were helping people. Um, but I think eventually I had to sort of put my hand up and say, you know, what, some, someone else can do this be better than me. <laughs> someone else probably wants to do this more than me. So I ended up just just stepping away from it and saying, oh, guys, I actually, I, I, as, as much as I love it, someone else can do this better than me and probably probably should do. So I stepped away and just and started to try and think about what else I was going to do. And uh, I love helping people. I love um, empowerment was a big part of the, the projects and how those projects worked. Um, so sort of creating, creating long-term change. And um, yeah, I put together, I put together lists and lists. I mean, as you might have, 
you might have done similar or your listener your listeners might might have done but i ended up putting together a list of what am i actually interested in and, and passionate about um and then a list of like what, what am i actually good at <laughs> what, am I, what am i not really very good at and having to be quite honest with myself about that and what what's going on in the world and like at the time it was only like last year so it was sort of hopefully emerging from the pandemic with you know well-being outdoors um you know lot, lots of stresses on people changes in what was happening around the world and then so what contacts had i got so i sort of put those four lists together and then tried to map them together and see you know what what opportunities were maybe out there for for a new business for for a new organization and then um yeah i came up with i probably had a list of about 200 different business ideas i thought these are these are all work and then i wanted to look at that and and really to like consider what what was i actually really going to be passionate about and not really bored of or or just grow to hate after a couple of years because <laughs> you know some of those were great business ideas but actually the reality of doing that day in day out and focusing on that is going to be really really boring um so out of that the the, the list whittled down and whittled down and then I ended up with uh, Surfers Life Club, which was really bringing together sort of the, the wellness, the well-being, the, the surge in sort of outdoor sports and looking after yourself, the change in sort of the, the great resignation and not just working all the time. Um, and really those, those three trends and sort of trying to then reach out to people to say, if you want to change your life a little bit, here's a community that, of, of people that are trying to do that. And here's some of the ways that you might be able to do it. So that's all where it came from, really. I think something like that really does resonate with people. Uh, and I've talked about this quite quite a lot on the podcast, you know, about people's mindsets and getting stuck in, in, in the rat race, basically, because that's somewhere that, yeah, I, I don't really want to be stuck in it. That's why I've decided and I've been, I'm in a unique op opportunity and position, you know, just leaving the military. Like I said, I'm like two and a half weeks in from, from leaving and, I've got some form of financial stability, which I guess some people don't have. Um, so I'm able to to start doing things that that, that I that I think I want to do. Um, you know, like I said to you earlier, give me a year, I'll tell you whether what, you know what I'm doing is is, is good or not. Um, but I, I think that if people are really stuck in sort of this this corporate world where you know it's it's not nine to five it's like nine to nine it's constant it's all the time and it's all they're thinking about and if you know you've grew, grown up on the beach and you've ended up working in the city or something like that and your real sort of like your heart passion and soul is getting down to the beach to get in the water and the only water time you're getting is watching the WSL through YouTube or or the app. And I think following your passions is something that people really need to focus on a little bit more and need, really need to figure out how are they going to enable that um, and, and make time. Because the, making time to do things, I find, even from a military perspective, you know, this used to really wind me up. I'm going off on a bit <laughs> of a tangent here. Like, I like this, Carol. I uh, used to really wind me up. So I'd go into people's offices and, uh, you know, my, my job in the Marines before I left, I was a physical training instructor. So running gyms, okay. physical programming, training the guys, um, 
get get them to do lots of different things, get them involved in different sports, grassroots stuff, all that sort of thing. So I used to go into like the HQ buildings uh, where like the, the hierarchy used to work to so all the officers and the sergeant majors and RSMs. And I used to say to them, um, you know, are you coming down to the fitness test today? And they're oh, no, I'm too busy. He said, oh, you know, uh, do you want to come to the gym and, and we'll do a workout? And they're like, oh, I can't, I'm toppers. I, I, I'm not going to get away till nine o'clock tonight. And I'm just thinking, going, why? Like, like, why not? What, you can't take it, you can't take an hour or a couple of hours away to yeah. go and have a cup of tea or come down to the gym and do a workout, get a bit of a sweat on and, or, or go for a bike ride or where, where it was at the time it was in Dartmoor. So, you know, go for a ride yeah. up, up on the hills. And, and I think lots of stuff has got lost in trans translation in modern day society and, and what you're doing and, and the products that you've, that you've just put out, I think should reignite people's passion to do what they enjoy doing. Yeah. Thanks. It's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned sort of the guys that have grown up by the beach and, and moved to the city and, from the guys that have sort of joined the community so far, the guys and girls that have joined the community, that's exactly what a lot of them have been. Or they, they've never really surfed, but they've just started, like during the pandemic or, or whatever, team sports closed down and they sort of like, they had a couple of surfs and they've started to get into it, but they're not, they're not surrounded by that community of surfers to, to give them that support, that encouragement. You know, you know, it's like if you've got that, I know he's either a devil or an angel, but that guy who rings you up or sends you a message, it's firing. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> if they haven't got that sort of that extra push, it's it's hard to do. Or they want to do a trip, but no one wants to go on the trip with them because they don't really have that community. So it's sort of, I guess, as people want to make that change, having a support network that encourages that and understands that is is really important. But I think um, a lot of people want to make that want to make those changes don't really know where to start but like where you know how do you do that i i was even similar like I'd, I'd, i was lucky enough to have had quite a bit of adventure in my life and run around and, and do lots of lots of stuff um but i'd got to that point where you know i had so many people depending on me or i felt like i had everyone depending on me i can't i can't just walk away i can't just make make this change and it must have taken me a year or probably more than a year to sort of really acknowledge that, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really want to be doing this and I could make a change because, you know, for, I've got three young kids. I'm a father of three responsibilities there, responsibilities with the, with the organization that I was sort of leading. And I think you, you end up putting a lot of pressure on yourself and just sort of continuing. You know, I think you mentioned the, the weekend worry. You sort of, if I can just make it through to the weekend, I'll, I'll get a surf in. And, and, and then it's the next week and then it's the next week and then it's the next week. And before you know it, your kids have grown up. <laughs> you know, you're, you're old, your, your shoulder's killing you, you. You've lost all your fitness and, and the time flies by. You talk to the older crew, at the time it really does, it flies by and you sort of miss it if you're not careful. So I think it's recognizing that and then actually doing something about it sooner rather than later, not just I'll do that at some point in the dim and distant future. I used to preach to my friends a lot about, there's a poem that I read a long, long time ago. I mean, I saw it upon one of the, um, the sergeant's mess boards and I, I love it. I think it's amazing. Uh, and yes, listeners, if you, if you're on and you're listening to this, I am going to recite a poem and, right. and you're going to enjoy this one. So have you ever, you ever heard of a poem called the indispensable man? 
I think I have heard of it. I've heard of it, I think. It rings a bell. It's amazing. So this is how it goes. Sometimes when you're feeling important, sometimes when your ego's in bloom, sometimes when you take it for granted, you're the best qualified in the room. Sometimes when you feel that you're going would leave an unfillable hole, just follow these simple instructions and see how the humble your soul. Take a bucket of water and fill it up. Put your hand in it up to the wrist. Pull it out and the hole that's remaining is a measure of how much you'll be missed. You can splash all you want in the water. You may stir the water galore, but stop and you'll find that in no time it looks quite the same as before. The moral of this quaint example is to do the best you can. Be proud of yourself, but remember, there is no dispensable man. I like it. I like it. It's so, it's so true, isn't it? It's so, when I left, I have to say, I thought, I, 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 don't, know how they'll, I don't know how they'll manage. <laughs> like, and everyone said, oh, I don't know how we'll manage. But um, I, think they, I think they got on better, <laughs> if, I, if I'm honest about it. They had that, you know, replaced by someone who was uh, more... You know, more more enthusiastic, more passionate about it. Wanted wanted it more. Um, you know, we're all we're all replaceable. We just feel like we're not sometimes. I think, but it also comes down to like your your mental your mental place as well, doesn't it? It comes down like you know the whole point of people going to work sometimes is they feel like they have have a purpose in life. Yeah. You know, if if I'm there doing this, then you know X, Y, and Z is going to happen. But if I'm not there then then it won't happen and you know i'm going to get stressed out because you know this this spreadsheet hasn't been put forward or um you know this proposal hasn't been hasn't been finalized and we're not going to get it get it over the line and i think you know this this form of thinking is is the sort of thing that 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 really does play into people's mental well-being and my my wife she just started uh, working on the uh, triple one uh, calls uh, here okay. in the UK, which is like right, like yeah, men, yeah. it's like a mental health line, mm. and uh, the stories that she comes back from from people talking to her on there is, you know, one people are quite lonely, but two people really haven't got an inkling outside of their own bubble um, right, yeah. about what's going on, and and that's what they really struggle with, I think. Um, we're going down a really deep dark hole with this, I think. Let's let's pull it out a little bit. So I'd like to get a little bit of background on you. So uh, you know, where did you grow up, and how did you get into surfing? I grew up in a place called uh, Tring. It's in it's in Hertfordshire, so it's sort of in the in the Chiltern Hills. Um, I think it's just about as far away from the sea as you can get in uh, in England. Um, but I but I grew up in the in the I'm going to say in the woods. So I grew up just outside of the town. Uh, dad's a, a carpenter, built, built a little cottage next to a farm, woods across the road. So we were just outdoors all the time, sort of running, my mum's going to hate it, running wild <laughs> and uh, play, playing in the woods. So it's sort of in, in nature. And I think that was a big, uh, a big part of it for me, it was just out, outdoors in nature. And then moved into the town, didn't particularly love that. Um, uh, yeah, we don't need to go too far into, into that. Um, and then I, I, I was actually, I was in air cadets. So um, that was a, like a massive part of my, my childhood in the end, I guess. So I really, really loved the cadets. I know you got, you're probably not going to like the air cadets so much, but <laughs> principles may be the same. <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face right now. 
as long as everyone does as long as you don't go around saying yeah i served in the military it doesn't matter i'm, I'm all right <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't. I thought you might just end the interview there <laughs> i would never do that right <laughs> um yeah so I did did that i was gonna join i was gonna join the, this is getting worse i was gonna join the raf wanted to join as a pilot um and then did the officer selection sort of interviews for that the, the very first ones was rapidly decided that my eyesight wasn't good enough and I could be a navigator, which I, I was like, I'm not interested in <laughs> being young, young and, and punk. So I, uh, I then got a scholarship with British Airways to go and fly for them. And um, then there was a recession at the time that got, that got delayed. And I, I set off around the world. I was like, right, I've got a year. And I made it to Guernsey <laughs> in the Channel Islands. And that was my first stop working okay. in a pub. Okay. Yeah, and didn't get any further. I worked in a pub. Started, <laughs> started surfing there. Um, hadn't got a clue what I was doing. So I, I think I managed to buy, what was my board? I think it was a 7-2 Pinto. It was pretty much an Indo sort of semi-gun that I managed to buy from the local surf shop. They helpfully advised me that was the board I needed. <laughs> well, that was a classic advice back in them days, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. So I was like, I remember like it was it was winter. I was like just wandering, wandering back as a forward. It's about a couple of miles to the beach, barefoot because I hadn't got the money to invest in booties. Walked down there, couldn't really figure out how to paddle out like through the through the onshore. Coming back freezing with like frozen feet and uh, just having the time of my life. I thought it was great. <laughs> so um, some students then came out to the pub in the summer. Um, and they were like, they were asking me what I was planning to do. And they, they told me about this oceanography course in Plymouth. So, yeah, and they're like, you can go diving, you can study waves, you can study surfing, surfing nearby, and that you look like you'd, you'd love it. So, yeah, one of them was kind enough to sort of drag me off down the, the Guernsey Library in uh, St. Peter's Port, show me the prospectus, and then I signed up to that and did that instead and forgot all about, so I don't actually want to fly airlines or anything it's going to be boring or anything so I did that and then that was sort of how I uh, got into the surfing so I did a lot of a lot of surfing at Plymouth um, met a lot of good mates there and then yeah from that sort of did oceanography got really into the conservation side which I'd always I'd always quite liked through sort of growing up in the woods but got really into marine biology oceanography um, yeah and then kicked around Devon for for quite a while um, did a bit of lifeguarding, was down on Burr, Burr Island in the south. That was, aw that was an awesome time, actually. I had about six months living on the island, um, which was just brilliant. So low, low tide, you're, you can make it backwards and forwards. High tide, you can't. So any nights out, you had to sort of swim ashore, <laughs> go and have your night out. And then, uh, or the other way around, you could walk off and then swim, swim back in the evening after, after a few beers. Um, so, yeah, did that for ages. Um, and then really started doing more and more voluntary work around the conservation, around um, marine mammals, did a lot of survey work around Devon, North Devon, South Devon. Um, went over to Ireland doing more sort of sub-literal research. So diving, part of the course was a commercial diving course. So did sort of uh, well, sub-literal surveys. So diving surveys, recording all the species. Worked with the Devon Wildlife Trust for a little bit doing that as well. Um, then went on to, uh, I was pretty much an activist ship that was going around the UK, going out during, during, the, during the week, doing research on, on marine mammals. And then every weekend we'd come back into port 
in a different port every weekend do, and do some environmental education and uh, explore the local culture at the, at the same time. So yeah, I did that. And then um, off the back of that, I was, sort of, I, was out, I was out in sort of Arctic waters doing, doing research with various vessels, ended up working on some seismic vessels, doing research off of them. And uh, just sort of really realized that when I'd signed up to, to Plymouth and to do oceanography and marine biology, it wasn't up in Arctic waters or standing. I had to stand on the, like above, uh, above the, on the top of the ship near the radar thing, which I'm not sure was that safe really looking back on it, but uh, like pretty much daylight hours, I'd be up there with my binoculars scanning for dolphins and whales and trying to spot them and then trying to shut down the seismic operations if, uh, if we came across them, um, which led, you know, there was some challenging conversations with the crews on board and stuff like that. But I was like, you know, what? I wanted to go down to the tropics. So I started applying for, for different roles based in the tropics and then eventually scored one that uh, took me out to Mexico. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Believe it or not, I actually, I did, I did my A-levels at school and then I got to the, I got to my second year and, uh, I basically did them because I just wanted to do it just to spite my teachers because they told me I was going to fail everything. So I, I got, you know, I got some decent GCSEs and I don't know what they're called now, but so I did like psychology and physical education and, uh, and geography. And I did geography purely because it was my geography teacher that told me I was a loser basically. And, um, I was like, fuck you, man, I'm doing this and I'm going to be in your class as well. Yeah. So suck on that. <laughs> You haven't got rid of me yet. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and marine biology and that sort of thing actually really did really did press a button for you for a time. But I I don't think I I knew I knew how to get there. Right. Uh, and I've been surfing since I was I was fourteen. So this is like you know three or four years later. I was like sixteen, seventeen, maybe Ooh. eighteen, nearly eighteen. And. Uh, but I, I, I didn't know how to get there. And I think it was the start of the time in Plymouth when I think the course that you're talking about, I'd, I'd read the prospectus for that. Right, and okay. I, and, I, and I heard some uh, things on the grapevine that they were actually going to start running like a, like a surfing. Yeah, they uh, did. They did. I think they still do it. Yeah, which, which I yeah. think started a, f a few years after that. And I thought that'd be wicked to do. Um, but I, <laughs> you're like this. So I remember in Iraq, and uh, we were we were in a little village called Umkasar. Mm. Uh, it was like a like a like a big port, and uh, we were walking down there. And uh, some Americans had some dolphins that were in um, in like a massive sort of like inflatable inflatable um, like pool. And what they were using the dolphins for? They were using the dolphins to go down to survey the uh, the bottom of the ocean bed. They were looking yeah. for mines as well, but they were looking yeah. to survey to survey that area, and that just you know sparked that up a little bit. And I was like, and then I looked into like doing a an open university course. Right. Look, I'm saying this, I never got around to doing it, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just you talking about oceanography, it just kind of you know sparked a few things off in my head again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many avenues that people went down, and I. I guess the and the marine biological side is is so hard to get into because effectively most people that are that go into it are, are there to try and you know with a conservation mindset 
and and definitely you know that takes you into sort of more NGO work and charitable work and then whether it's right or wrong there's there's not really the you know the funds there so you end up sort of the the accepted entry route is is volunteer work and you have to do quite a lot of it and find ways to sort of fund yourself uh whilst whilst sort of trying to build up that experience and I guess that's that's what a lot of people were Oh, it's certainly in the last few years maybe maybe it's different now but I, I felt like almost any career that was becoming the case that you had to really build yourself up your experience before you could sort of enter any any sector um but I think the more sort of if you will do good sectors um hard, you know definitely the hard, harder ones to get into so at what point did you realize that you had had enough doing what you're doing in your old job and and you were going to going to pursue uh, doing the uh, surf life club like what what were the triggers that made you want to do it there's a number i think i think it's um as as i as we as we started to decide that with that organization it had grown and, and we'd we'd really built something significant that um you know could could grow and develop um, and, and really achieve more and more. But to do that, it had to become, let's say, more professional. But it's not quite, it's not quite the right terms. But you know, we we had to put in a lot more strategies and structure and you know standard operating procedures and all, all that sort of stuff, rather than just everyone winging it and you know with best intention. Um, and that's the right thing, but it's not quite as interesting. And and like you know, it's it's that that drawer of new shiny things and, and winging it and working out as you go along, you know, it was becoming more standardized and more professional. And I think that, that took away from some of my enjoyment of it. Like I, I liked the fact that when I first started, I basically got, it wasn't quite a bag of money, but I went out to Mexico. They were like, here's $10,000, go out to Mexico. This is what, this is what we're looking for. Go and figure it out. And uh, this is your time scarf. Go, go make it happen, get the boats, get the dive gear work out where it's going to be, uh, make sure there's the partnerships, et cetera, and, you know, make, make this project happen. And it's, if it works, it's on your head. If it fails, it's on your head. <laughs> and, and uh, we weren't operating like that 20 years later, <laughs> 20 years later, that was a bit, it was a little, all a little bit more professional, um, which isn't quite as enjoyable, really. I like, I like the sort of uh, the, the challenges of, of it. And so that was part of it. Um, younger kids and, like when 20, you know, 20, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I was still running around. It was pretty much me um, and, and working 24 hours a day on fun projects, running around in the jungle. It, you know, it wasn't work. It was enjoyment. It was, it was pleasure. Sitting in the office, trying to do those number of hours and, and looking at graphs and strategy and standard operating procedures is not quite the same. So I guess, you know, that, I was like, that, that was a big part of it. And, and, I was seeing my kids starting to surf. I was taking them surfing on the, on the weekend. Um, I was meeting up with mates on the weekend and they said, oh, you should have seen, should have seen your son surfing on Wednesday afternoon. Oh, he was doing weird. And I was like, oh, I should have done. Like, you're right. And it's that, oh, yeah, oh, you should have been here yesterday. I was experiencing a lot of that. And I was seeing my mates going surfing and I wasn't getting there. I, I was still getting in the water. It wasn't even that bad. I was getting in probably once a week plus weekends you know it's uh not terrible but I was seeing other people do a lot more and I was like that's that's what I want I don't I don't want to be doing this anymore 
And I think they were probably the two, the two bigger triggers. There was a, a change of sort of culture at the organization, which they maybe needed to be, and it's probably the right thing. And then those younger kids and me sort of seeing them growing up, missing some of that time. I'm being greedy, like, I was still having plenty of time with them, but missing some of that time, I was like, that's not, that's not who I thought I would be when I was younger. And I guess as I recognised that, then I just started getting more and more frustrated. Um, yeah, but instead of instead of making an instant change, I, I did. I sort of procrastinated about it for ages, and was just I was I, I, so aptly I was quite grumpy for a while <laughs> until, until I actually sort of made that change. What were the the main things that you were looking at? So you had you had a basic idea, and I see mm. here that you uh, went and did you went and did a few courses actually, didn't you? Uh, yeah yeah i did i did like i'd done through through the volunteer work and out the back of that and it was all around sustainability but we 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 sort of really went into experiential education so we ended up training people and doing internships um and then working with the local communities and the local community members we were doing a lot of empowerment and through those we were sort of doing professional development but we were also doing personal development with people um and then obviously having um sort of quite a big staff team overall in the end it was about 200 people you know there was a lot of professional development but also managing a lot of people a lot of personal development so I had a lot of well, I felt I had a lot of informal skills and an experience of mentoring people and coaching people and helping them overcome challenges but I didn't have a lot of sort of formal techniques if I if I had to name the number of formal coaching techniques I, I had available I think I could have done it on one hand so I wanted to do a proper coaching course, both to get more techniques, um, but also to have that bit of paper, that sort of recognition that, you know, I, he's, he's qualified, he's certified. Um, and also just to understand it better. When I sort of realized that that empowerment, that coaching, I wanted to continue within that, within that aspect of, of things, to have that as an aspect of what I was doing. And yeah, a bit of reskilling, a bit of training up, I thought would be a, a useful route. And also just giving me more contacts and knowledge about the sector and what was going on in that, in that coaching sector and understand that better. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a, a sector that I'd been specifically involved in before. How did you find the Neuro Linguistic Programming and Practitioners course uh, being applied to um, you know, your, your previous experiences and, and what you're doing now? No, I really, really enjoyed that. It was quite an eye-opener for me. And I didn't know much about it at all to begin with. Um, but I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how much you know about it or how much you list, your listeners might know about it, but it's definitely, um, it's, it's quite a thing. And it, it feels like in the wrong hands, it could be quite a quite dangerous weapon, in all, in all honesty. Like you can, you can really play with people's sort of minds and, and what they're going to, how they're going to think about things and the words that they use and the habits that they form. Like it's really powerful. It's, it's really powerful. And to be honest, it's not in the coaching that I use. It's, it's something I have on hand and I use little bits of it, but predominantly for most, most of the guys that I'm working with, I don't really need that. It's sort of like an ex, an extra layer that sometimes helps if, if someone's probably the biggest time I use it is if they're, if, they're trying to overcome like a fear of, of a fear of something or a past experience that's really holding them back. It, it, we then play with it a little bit, but otherwise, mostly sort of quite 
I'm going to say general, but that's not fair. Maybe, maybe more sort of generic coaching tools are enough. Just getting people to really think about what do you really want and, and, and how do you get there? And I think that's enough for most, for most people, depending on you know, what, what they face and what their, what their prior experiences are. What do you feel are the foundations and the fundamentals of the uh, Surf Life Club that you, that you uh, provide uh, to the people that are, are now part of the programme? I think a huge, a huge part and a bigger part than I, than I think I initially realised is just community and support, is, is finding like-minded people that have sort of similar values, similar intentions and facing similar challenges and recognising that you're not the only one sat there sort of trying to, trying to figure it out. Because <laughs> I think that's often, that's often the thing. You're like, am I the only one really thinking this? Like as, I, as I'm sat there and getting frustrated, sat, sat at work and everyone's, you know, saying how great, you know, you, you see in those meetings where everyone, oh, this is going to sound, oh, I have to be careful who's listening. <laughs> but you have those meetings. I see it on LinkedIn. I've just been to this conference. It was great. It was wonderful to see everyone in it. Yeah, there's a large element that that's that's true, but there's other things you could be doing with your life, with with your time, and and but no one really wants to talk about that too openly because I think it's it's part of that. You know, we're a team, and this is what I need to be seen to be doing, and this is what I feel I I, sh I should be really embracing if I want to get on here, if I want to win that promotion, you know, get my salary, keep my, keep my job, etc. You don't want to be too too honest and you don't want to be too honest with yourself because you you want to try and be positive you don't want to be negative you don't want to be sorry you don't want to be grumpy all the time i was gonna say but i shouldn't say that that's fine to be grumpy <laughs> you know you you you've you got to you've got to get them next monday you've got to carry on you know you, you you don't want to be too dark about things so you try and be positive about about everything but i think that that community we're actually it's all right to have a bit of a rant and i yeah i tried to go surfing but there's some bloody traffic accident. I couldn't get to the beach and that stopped me. And then this happened and then that happened. Then I had to go on some podcast thing. <laughs> Not get, I can't get to the beach. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> so, but support and community, I think, is a big part of it. I, and I guess part of that is that, that, that chance to step back. That's the biggest thing, actually, is the chance to step back. Like We, we try and get through when we're not enjoying it and we're getting pissed off with, with, with meetings, with a lack. A perceived lack of time which isn't even true like there's plenty of time in a day if you if you've got your priorities straight there's 24 hours in a day you sleep eight you maybe you have to work eight and then you've got another eight hours but you spend a lot of that some with a family some eating dinner and some faffing around watching something on netflix you're not even interested in like you can find time if you really really want to but it's sort of recognizing that i do want to and what do i want to do with that time and, and getting a plan basically comes down to having a plan. And I think that's, that's the, the biggest part of the coaching is sort of what, what do you actually really, really want out of life and, and why and how are you going to get there rather than I, where most people start is I'm, I'm not happy. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want to be working all the time. I don't want to be going to meetings. I, you know, but not really what they do want. And I think trying to get, some real clarity about what people do want and and actually to to say it and to understand it and get that clarity and then start to go all right so how am i going to get there and then actually taking some action that's the biggest thing is taking some action but it's hard to do if you don't really know what you want you just know 
what you don't want, which is what you've got right now. Like these bits, there's bits of this I just don't bloody like, and I don't want it anymore. <laughs> but I don't know what I don't know where to go or how to get there. I think a lot of people's lives are really a mismatch of going to work, having to come back, and I do feel sometimes if I if I use my own personal experience mm. from this is that I've always found that I use my time management quite well. Um, you know, whether it's getting up in the morning, taking the kids to school, then in my head, I've got, right, I'm going to come back and do a workout for 40 minutes. Right, once I've done that, I have had to rewrite some flyers because I've, I've used all my flyers from uh, doing the festival this weekend. So right. I'm going to spend an hour doing that. Won't take me long to do. Just got to re rewrite a couple of things and then, you know, send it to the print shop and, and get it done. Done that. Right, now I've got to spend an hour doing some research on uh, Steve Glennon because I'm doing the podcast with him. Boom, I'm on that. The next thing we do, right, I need to catch up on the WSL from the uh, from the GLAN Pro. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm going to crack on and do, do that for an hour. And I think, like you say, some people really don't, don't have a, a a constructive mindset sometimes it's all very much I've got to do this oh, I've got to do this and then I've got oh, I've got to do that and and when you're talking about you know people going to meetings and say and putting onto social media and like LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff that oh that was an amazing meeting I can't believe I, I know so many amazing people you know like shut up mate you know <laughs> It, this this is. I was trying to be more subtle. I was trying to be more subtle. Yeah, that's, that's fucking bullshit. It's like literally what you're doing is what I used, what we used to call this smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You know, you're you're making out that all this stuff and your life is absolutely fantastic when probably inside you're dying dying a little bit because the bloke you spent thirty minutes talking to is an absolute prick and you want to get away from him and you're stuck in a story that you can't get out of. So, I think people really need to kind of like say take a little step back and have a have a like a little condor moment and go do you know what i could do this a better way or what mm. what's the quickest way i can do this where it's assertive so i can yeah. do the next thing and and um i've always found that I, i've ruled ruled my life like that even through the marines and you know going into uh, into line management and having people mm. underneath me is is very much like that you know, and I always used to make out, and again, using the analogy of smoke and mirrors, I always used to make out that I wasn't doing a lot. But like in the background, I was actually like sat behind my computer, banging out, right. you know, yeah. your standard operating procedures, your risk assessments, writing administration orders so people know what they're doing. But because I had a plan and um, I, I, had, I had sort of like a line that I wanted to take, I could go, right, I'm going to spend two hours doing this, right, that two hours is up, boom. And then I'd have a cut-off time. Yeah. And that's one of the key things I used to do. So I'd always say to myself, right, I'm not going to work past 7.30. I'm not going to work past 8 o'clock. And then people are like, that, well, you know, this needs to get done. I was like, well, is anyone going to die? No one's going to yeah. die if I don't do it. I can just do it in the morning or I'll get up a little bit earlier, you know, just, just to kind of make that backfill back and, and you can enjoy the things you're doing. Yeah, I think time, it's funny, isn't it? Like it could, you, I think it's really easy to think it's all around time management and definitely better time management is a huge part of it for a lot of people. But I, I think also like in the example you've just used as, so you're, you're, I think you were in, you were in control of those tasks that were coming onto your plate. Whereas for a lot of people, especially if you're, you know, you're working for an employer of, of you've got a job of some sort, sort of, 
and and someone else is managing those tasks so you you've got to get this done and now you've got to get that done and then you've got to get this done and i need that by monday morning and you're like monday morning like that's so it's friday afternoon and you're telling me you need it by monday morning that's my time and i think that there's those pressures add up plus like there's always the unforeseen tasks that come in during the day of can you go and get this and do that <laughs> yeah both work and, and personal life and i think yeah it's it's if unless you're managing your time really well you just end up with a massive list of things to get done in no particular order um and as you we all know like, as you've got all those you 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 almost have like that that frozen thing where you don't actually do anything because there's too much to do <laughs> so so actually i'm just gonna look at my task list and try and think about it all and i, I spent an hour not doing anything at all <laughs> so your uh, your program who mm. would you say that um that it was for like who are you who are you who's your audience that you're aiming it at really really to be honest with you managers because they're the ones that have got more more in common with what i went through um, so managers who surf and want to work less and surf more. So people that have been either their founders, they're running their own business. They might be self self-employed. Um, they might be working for somebody else and a manager who've got some, got some skills. Um, I definitely more targets of people around my age, that sort of forties, forties to fifties, you know, perhaps young kids that really see the, starting to see the value or feeling the pain more honestly of this is not where i want to be and what i want to be doing this is not what i wanted to be when i was when i was that 18 year old who, who was uh, decided to do his a levels this isn't where i wanted to end up like I, I, I wanted to be somewhere else and and it's not too late i can change it i could i could change it with a bit of help and i think people need more need the safe space to go and actually think about and and be pushed and tested and, and and questioned about what they actually want you know and what where did you want to be then where like because we've we've got general general ideas but getting really it's really hard to implement a, a very general idea like until you get really specific on it um once you've got that then you, it's much easier to say right, i want to spend x amount i want to go surfing x amount of days a week that's actually what i want that's a happy that's a happy balance for me um i don't know what your question was anymore <laughs> but yeah i guess people people that are on a similar journey to what i went on but at a much earlier stage so i can sort of give them the benefit of what i went through really. so you've also created a, a facebook community so how, how are yeah. you finding that engages with people with with the product that you're you're trying to push out to people you know what um I've, I've really enjoyed it and I, I don't do a lot of hard selling at, at all I sort of more talk about I talk about the, the situation what's what's challenging people um, and the community has just been brilliant I've really enjoyed it I, um, I I'll be honest I, I didn't I hadn't embraced social media at all I didn't really see it sounds a bit weird I didn't see the point of it I don't know if you if you understand what I'm saying or not I thought it sounded horrible I didn't touch it for ages and then when I realized, all right, I'm going to start a business. I haven't got loads of money. I don't want to spend a fortune on advertising. Like so, social media and organic is, is the way for me to get out there and reach people without spending a fortune. Um, and I realized I had to embrace it. Um, I think I'd last posted in like two, 2015, something like that. And I, <laughs> so after a seven year gap, I start, suddenly I started posting 
and uh, changed my profile and stuff like that. And, and people started relating to it and, and reaching out. And as I, as I only launched the community three weeks ago, we've now got about, I think, 300 surfers, um, some from Brazil, from Oz, from New Zealand, um, yeah, lots, lots from the UK, from, uh, a few from Europe. America. We got some guy he posted yesterday. He's uh, surfs in the Great Lakes. So he's, he's like, in, and he, again, he moved inland, didn't surf for ages, and then um, surfed all the time before that. But family commitments moved inland. And he's like, yeah, I've started surfing again. Really want to keep surfing, inspire others. Like it's, it's possible. He's, he sent these brilliant pictures. They're like, he's got six foot in the Great Lakes. It's amazing. Um, so people are really relating to it and they're all sharing their what's stopping them, you know, what's been stopping them, or if, if they're currently sort of taste, tasting the good life and they're surfing a lot, you know, what they did to get through it. Some of the tricks they used, they sort of, one guy talks a lot about sort of his no look policy. Don't go, don't go to the beach and stand there looking, thinking about all the other things you could be doing and then go, go back and get on with them. Just don't even look at it. Just get your wetsuit on, charging, even if you're only in for, 30 minutes you're still going to feel a lot better about your day so lots of sort of small tips and then some sort of bigger deeper ones as we were getting into about you know what's your what's your actual purpose in life and and what does that tell you and then what have you got to change and sort of using that to be the motivator to actually make those changes if it's what you're actually supposed to be doing in life you you've, you've got no bloody choice but to make the changes right rather than sort of, God, that's what I'd quite like to do, but there's lots of good reasons why I'm not actually going to do it. If that's your, if that's your bloody purpose, you've got to go on with it. So yeah, lots, lots of sort of almost tricks of the minds or different ways of thinking about things that just help people to overcome those hurdles a little bit. What are your end goals? Like, like what are you looking to, to achieve through, through, doing the, uh, through doing the mind program and the, um, the Surf Life Club? Or, you know, what, what, what I'm trying to say, not what are you trying to get out of it? Like, mm. what would be your end goal to, as as creating something like this for for people to to actually start enjoying life a little bit more? I need to. I need to have a little think about that. That sounds terrible. I should definitely be clear on that. My my initial goal, if I'm honest, was to to come up with a vehicle, a, a business that I would enjoy that would help people and supply me sufficient income to to be able to sort of continue the lifestyle that I've been living which isn't I don't I don't want to be rich I, I, I don't it's not a lavish lifestyle but I've got three kids I need to be serious about it I, you know there is an element of and that was a, a big thing sort of stopping me making that change initially so I've definitely got to make sure that that, that side happens um, do I want it to be like a massive global enterprise if you're if you're asking from that perspective no, I don't think so. But as as it as it as people engage with it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, and I like it. And I think it's it's helping people, and I can see that other people are enjoying it. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty happy if it grows, as long as it doesn't start. As I've got as, as long as it start, doesn't start negatively impacting on me and my lifestyle, and that's sort of the uh, I think going to be the biggest hurdle. And I. And it is something that's already, as it gets busier and I've got to look at social media and stuff like that more and more, it, yeah, it's eating into my time. So I, I guess I've set myself a very clear limit of 
And it's, it's, I mean, it's a very uh, spoiled limit, but this is how much time I'm willing to dedicate to it. And actually, this is, this is the, the, the income that I actually need, not, not, you know, would like or would be wonderful, but this, this is the minimum level. Let, and let's make that as, as cheap as we can to, to enjoy life. And this is the maximum I'm prepared to work. And then I've, that's my problem. That's what I've got to figure out how to make how to make that work. And that might mean bringing other people in. You know, any any you know, does it not grow? Does it stay small? But that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I guess I think probably relevant to your, to 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 your to your audience and listeners. Like if you if you are trying to start something new, being really clear about what is it you're you're trying to do and what what are you willing to compromise to make it succeed. Like, is it your time? Do you, do you not care if you're working 90 hours a week? That's cool. You know, crack on. But if, if you do care about that, do you want a lifestyle business or a bigger business? Sort of trying to be really clear about that. I see where I, where I think from business owner's perspective, and I think it's true, it's almost the same as if you're a manager or, you know, it, then looking at that business owner, like what, what are they trying to achieve? Is it that, that massive empire? Um, and what are they willing to sort of sacrifice to, to get that? So having understanding that a little bit tells you a lot about, you know, where it's going to go. And I see a lot of people try and jump to like, let's keep growing, let's keep growing, let's scale up because that's, that's what we do. We're in business. We've got to scale. We don't, we're not growing. We're going to die, you know, that mentality. And I think that that, it's a very different thing, like trying to scale up and have a really big business to running like a, a smaller lifestyle business or being self-employed and I've got enough income coming in and I'm enjoying my life and, I, and trying to find that balance is, is really hard for people. But I think clarity about what they want really helps that. I think you're touching into a little bit of like one of the seven deadly sins, aren't you? You know, greed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's and it's like it's like anything in life, isn't it? You know, you, you start earning more money, you live to that lifestyle and... Um, yeah, you've got no more you've got no more saved at the end of the month <laughs> exactly and and it's really weird you know you you're on you're on a 30 grand job a year you know 30 grand job a year okay brilliant but then you get a pie rise an extra 10 grand a year so what's that extra you know couple of hundred quid a month gonna go on oh you yeah. know I'm, I'm gonna do get some subscriptions i'm gonna i don't know uh buy buy a buy a bigger car so actually your your monthly income is actually staying the same because you've got nothing left at the month because you've yeah. you've just upscaled yeah uh, and, and i can definitely definitely see that um with, with, with from an outsider looking in that our businesses is you know people just want to get bigger and bigger and bigger but then you know it happened to one of my friends actually uh yeah. the guy that owns uh do you remember salt rock the clothing company yeah 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 so, so like, rock, yeah there's a, there's a place here called salt rock and i think they the owners yeah. came from there, yeah. So, so Ross Thompson, they they created Salt Rock uh, primarily as a you know printing T-shirts, so they could make a bit of money. So, you know, they could drive the cars around and go surfing and uh, right. and go searching for for, for different breaks. Um, but as the enterprise grew, it grew into a multi-million pound company, and their time, like you said, got sucked away from the ocean. Mm which they only used to live like 10 minutes from the beach and they got pulled into this more corporate world. And in the end, you know, they sold it. And, uh, you know, Ross owns a, um, owns a cafe now in Braunton, uh, right. in North Devon. And, uh, and they've just started a, a smaller clothing company. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, what you were talking about here is they, they realized that they were kind of like just flogging a dead horse 
with what they were doing, upscaling, mm. not really enjoying what they were doing. And they've gone back to, you know, their, their, their core roots of why they actually started something in the first place, which I think it takes a, a lot of courage for people to do that in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think so. And, um, Oh, what were you saying there? Something really sparked my thought. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought, but, um, yeah, that was it. So it's 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 not only if you if you if you're you, you're the business owner or you're running the business and try and develop it. I think it, it also applies if you're you know if if you're employed and you've got a job because then you want to work harder to get the next job and the promotion and the pay rise and etc. So it's sort of we're all in to a degree in charge of how much we pursue that and how much we pursue that growth and and that rise in salary. And I think it leads on one of the questions I end up asking a lot of people to, to really get to the bottom of what helped them to see what they want is, is that it's the question is like, is that what you want or what sort of what you think is expected of you? And I think we often end up doing what's expected of us. What, and I term it sort of what society expects of us. And that's why people, it's amazing the amount of people that are doing stuff. They don't actually want to be doing it whatsoever, but they feel they should. Oh, I should do that. I should try and get that promotion. So therefore, like, I, I will. <laughs> so they do. Like, and we all do it. We all do it. We, we pursue things that we don't even want because we think that that's, that's what other people expect us to, to want. Mate, going to tie the podcast up with a quick fire round like I do with the surfing podcast. All right. All right. So uh, the first question for you is, if you had one surfboard fin set up for the rest of your life, would it be a twin fin, single fin, thruster, bonzer, finless, or, this is a cheater, a two plus one? No, be a thruster. Be a thruster. Coffee or tea? Oh, am I allowed to go co coffee in the morning before nine o'clock, then tea for the rest of the day? So it's a 50-50 it's a 50-50 split. <laughs> I, I, I'm normally like that. If I drink coffee no. past three o'clock, this is a really old thing to say, by the way. If I drink if I drink coffee past three o'clock, I'm up at one o'clock in the morning like no. an old man. I'm gonna go tea. If I have to choose, I'm gonna go tea. Perfect. Two to three foot nice peeling waves or six cool. foot barrels. Oh, that's a that's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, for the rest of my life. Well, I, yeah, let's say the rest of your life. Then two to three foot. <laughs> I was going to say six, six foot life. barrels for the rest of your life. You're going to have some neck smashes there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No way. <laughs> the best and the worst person to share a lineup with. Oh, that's, that's an evil question. The best, the best is easy. It's my kids. I, I, surfing my kids. That's super good. Um, that's such a joy. The worst. There was, uh, I'm, I'm, I have to be really careful. <laughs> there was, this is an evil question, isn't it? There's, without any names, there was, I surfed in one place. He was in New Zealand and uh, he was a big, a big guy and quite, quite an angry guy. And uh, there would be a lot of fist fights around him. And he, he did seem to be the common denominator <laughs> in, those, in those things. So, yeah, an, an, ang an angry man who remains un unnamed. <laughs> the, if you had one place to surf for the rest of your life or one break, where would it be? Oh, one place. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go with ah. Oh, that's a really hard, hard question. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with where I am now, southern, uh, just south of Cape Town. Beautiful. Um, last little question then. So, uh, where can people find your content uh, on the internet, and uh, where can people find you on socials? Okay, on the internet, it's uh, surfacelifeclub.com, surfacelifeclub.com, and then the Facebook community is uh, Work Less, Surf More. So it's a Facebook community group. Beautiful. Steve? Steve? <laughs> I'm a Tweety Pie. Steve Gwellin, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. It's been fun. Cheers. Cheers, mate. And that's it. If you like the podcast, please like, share and subscribe on your podcast provider and go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a little review. Thank you very much. <laughs>